So anyway, that's why for some period of time they believed I was the one who let the juice loose run a boot the hoose. So anyway, welcome to Podquisition and I'm your host Jim Sterling and I'm joined as always by Laura. Hello, Laura K. Dale. Hello! Hello, thank you for inviting me. I'm glad you told us that story, you know, as we were getting ready to record, because it, it, it means that one day I might feel safe enough to tell you the story of that time I let the dogs out. Oh, no, yeah. that was you. That was me, I let them out. It, it, it's a funny story. I uh, the, the story is I'm afraid of dogs, and I was like, I don't want them here, so I just let them out, and I did realise it'd be a whole big media sensation. You've wasted it here, though, on the podcast. Like, you you save that for the autobiography, and it bl- oh blown it now well, see this is it is i admit here that i let the dogs out and then i let the media whip itself up into a to a frenzy and then i give them like the full details i give them like the the actual like exclusive interview that's what i sell down the line it's, it's bold i'll give you that it's you know, just the people are going to wonder where were the dogs uh who like you know did anyone know that i let them out is that who's been keeping my secret all these years those are the the juicy details that i can sell you down the line now well, I mean, we're all looking forward to that. And we're also joined by Gavin, who, for a long period of time, was thought to be the director of that famous music video that Tattoo did, where they were doing all Kissing in the Rain. Uh, but he was just a uh, senior producer. Hello, Gavin. Yeah, there was a woman going around saying that I uh, directed that video, but all the things she said, all the things she said... <laughs> running through your head with just lies. <laughs> uh, can I just say, that video made such an impression on young me. Like, for years, I was like, I don't know why I love this video, but I love this video. And it's, you know, I Did- I really... There, there was just something really aspirational about that video of two definitely not lesbians running away together in a, in a pickup truck. Yeah, well, didn't it the turn out then tattoo. that they both had, like, really, like, anti-gay marriage views and, like, That's weren't it. lesbians they, at all? And- they definitely aren't lesbians uh in fact no, they, they like, quite hate them well that might be the case but like 10 year old me who saw two girls singing about how they're not gonna get us not now now that they love each other while mm. driving in a truck running away together i was like i i don't know why but this really like, speaks to me like like many songs of the early to mid noughties i was working in hmv when that came out oh, and um right. it was one of those very few songs that like despite hearing it all the time every day you didn't actually mind that much because it was pretty good and i don't know if this is i don't know if other musicians who've worked in music stores or anything find this but when a song is more in a minor key like that it it doesn't drive you as crazy for some reason because it's a quite a dark sounding song it's not quite as like um melody driven i think helps like you've not got this same like very notable foreground melody line yeah. that just like gets stuck like in your head it's it's, it's more like ear, ambient it's an earworm but not in the same way that like a call me maybe is it's more of a, a rhythmical kind of thing yeah. yeah i think putting together what you both said there ambient earworm is first of all great <laughs> podcast title second of all a good way of describing that tattoo song where they did kissing in the rain yeah. uh, it used to come on the box a lot Oh, that yeah. wasn't a euphemism. I mean, it used to appear on... I, as the words were, were spilling from my mouth, I was like, that's going to sound like an attempted Rhyth- joke. I, Rhythmic I, ambient I earworm sounds way. like a, a Bloodborne boss. <laughs> mm. so the box I, was a, a TV channel, TV station, where people yeah. would phone up and they like, ring and, and vote up 
the music videos. It to the was most the, popular one. It was the that. primary channel that I saw that music video on, and yeah. like, yeah. I'm pretty sure that like that is the first place that my mind fixated on. Like, oh, two women being in love is a thing that's allowed. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm on board with this. <laughs> Yeah, watching the box got me interested in a lot of things as well, um, of a similar nature, but in a less, it, it was less of a revelation. Um, I'm I'm talking about wanking. Oh, <gasps> Jim, you dirty, dirty boy. Yeah, it's it's something, Pete. It's something <laughs> a small percentage of the population do, and I'm not yeah. proud. To, I'm not proud of it. It's a but good, it healthy happens. way to alleviate stress. I, I will acknowledge that I do occasionally flick the bean. <laughs> <gasps> the Save it for the autobiography! <laughs> can you hear me, by the way? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah. We uh, let me see if I can tattoo. get this right, alright? Alright. All the things you said, all the things you said Running through my head, running through my head, running through my head This is not enough Ironically, uh. <laughs> more than enough. Like we could close the podcast right now, and that's it. Oh yeah, Signed, no. If sealed we and delivered. if if we ended this episode like right here, no one would be complaining about it being under an hour long because they'd be like, oh yeah, no, we got what we needed out of this episode. We yes. got Gav singing tattoo. That's perfect. Oh yeah. I mean, I for me it was when you shifted up shifted up the pitch. At that yeah. point, I was that was the Mark in Peep Show moment of the. I've got a tiramisu. This is fucking amazing. <laughs> you got to get the falsetto oh. in there. Oh, beautiful style. Oh, star, goodness. like like jazz from Peep Show. Seriously, yeah. and any episode that you start singing an impromptu song that we weren't prepared for is like my favorite episodes of this show. It's a good time. It well, is, we've we've it's got we've had wonderful. we've had Barbie Girl and we've had Tattoo now, and there was one yeah. other one I can't remember. We've had more we than had that. the theme tune to um, Round the Twist. Yep. Ah, uh, yes. And uh, something else, I'm sure. I'm, uh, I'm but they're sure always we've had welcome. more than that. The Twitter people will know. They always know these they, things. Yeah. The Twitter people know everything. Oh, <laughs> the Twitter have been black mirrored. I'm a bit black mirror obsessive at the moment. Oh, just, just started watching that, everything. actually. Watch the first have, yeah. have, have you so finished? I saw you'd made it to season four. Have you finished season four yet, Jim? I devoured season four. Like... I would devour a sandwich because here's, of that. Um, yeah, I went straight through it in a night. Here's a question, guys. Yeah. Um, are is each episode in a different universe to the point where it doesn't matter if you watch them chronologically? Some okay. People... All I'll say is Charlie Brooker tweeted, "You can watch them in any bloody order." <laughs> that's just yeah. a, that's just what he just said. You can just watch them in any order you like. <laughs> um, could I say? Could I safely say? You can you can just watch them in any order for the most part. Um, there Save is like the, the season finale, I'd say. Yeah, there, there's a season finale that like you get a little extra something if you've if you've watched other episodes before the season finale, but like it doesn't really make a difference. Cute. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's a good way of describing that. Um, yeah, yeah. You see, we've all gone very terse, listener, because. Uh, when you talk about Black Mirror, you can't describe anything that happens in any episode. <laughs> yes. Even uh, though that would really suck them in, because it will infuriate people. I mean, to, to be fair, it, 
they are hard to describe. It, it's kind of like a telltale game, but better because Charlie Brooker is really good at writing. Um, it's not a ding on Telltale, though. Yeah. I'm a bit tired of them by now. Um, well, it yeah, was, you, that, it's one of those things you can't describe with, any like, single episode without spoiling it. It's the same way with like um, Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad. Like, yeah, remember that that time where someone accidentally tweeted out that Jesse turned into an Octorok in, in <laughs> season five, episode three. The, the Twitter meltdown uh, was like nothing I've ever seen. See, I I think the thing with Black Mirror is that if you try and describe any episode, you start by describing the basic premise at the beginning of the episode, and then yeah. you're like. Oh yeah, but the thing that makes that episode interesting is insert twist that happens that you can't tell people in advance because the twist happening is the interesting thing. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh it's 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 really good. It's it's I'll all, say that, it's really good. It's all basically stories about what technology, but what if we took it to extremes and it went uh, went bad because of it? Mm. Yeah, basically it's um it's like what's well, that famous tweet what if phones but too much it is um, kind of what if phones but too much but like it's that that's it's, not doing credit to how good no, some of is, the episodes it, are it, does, it, it it's seems dismissive. to me to be a big comment not just on technology but on culture in general like a lot the, yeah the x factor episode i thought was particularly funny well not funny but i i think it's a lot about Oh, 50 yeah. Million we- Merits is my favourite. Like, I've watched all of them now, and that is my favourite one. Yeah. My still. my favourite is still San Junipero, if you've seen that one. No. Um, I've only seen if- season one. Okay. Uh, I don't think episode titles are big spoilers, but... Um, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what I would say is, like, I think it's a very telling... Season three, episode four. That's a spoiler <laughs> to hear that. <laughs> it's It's a very telling, like, take on the intersection between technology and culture and in a lot of cases, not all of them, it's stories that are like, oh, I can totally see how society would think that's a good idea and then we all fuck ourselves over because we did that thing. Yeah. Like um, like like yeah. giving our personal details to Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Uh also I don't think it's it's too spoiler territory to say for season one, uh there is an episode that is basically David Cameron fucked a pig, and it was yeah. written before David Cameron fucked a pig was news. I mean, that's, that, that's famous now. Yeah, yeah the episode like that, itself yeah, is a spoiler. That, that should tell you something about the fact that, like, there's a certain level of like culturally aware writing going on where, like, okay, some of this stuff is like remarkably on the mark for so, where yeah. life is going. Yeah, I keep seeing on Twitter and social media these days people referring to how this year is like a Black Mirror episode, and I'm like, mm, I'm gonna have to watch it now to see which one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I. There is one episode that has just a self-driving pizza truck for some reason. I don't think it's too spoilery to say there's a self-driving pizza truck in one episode of the show. And shortly after that episode aired, Pizza Hut announced it was going to have self-driving pizza trucks, and everyone was like, oh no, Black Mirror's doing it again. Oh, that yeah, episode's well, plot's going to happen now. Basically, the response to any news story about any piece of technology doing anything <laughs> is to be retweeted with the phrase, oh, Black Mirror's come to life, yeah. oh, uh, because I, that's that's what we do. I, I do have a favourite spoiler-free story, somewhat, like, connected to black mirror if you've seen season four 
Uh, if you go and look on YouTube, you can find clips from the Ricky Gervais show where Carl Pilkington pitches two TV shows that he would like to one day make. He This was years ago this was recorded. And the stories he pitches wanting to create are two of the stories told in season, season four of Black Mirror. <laughs> so that's that's kind of fascinating to to look back on. Uh, because basically his two co-hosts laugh him out the room and go, ah, those are stupid ideas. No one would buy into that. I suppose it's a That's testament good. to the show, really, and, and how they've picked situations that are not just believable, but in some cases probable. Yeah, I I think there is definitely something to that. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's almost as if, the Walking Dead refers to the people, and not uh, the zombies. That, That's uh, right. And I liked, I liked the what's his face. Michael Smiley was in an episode. Um, I think that season. No, my, Michael Smiley was there. One was a Nickelodeon host. One is an Irish person who's been in comedies. I'm referring to the latter, but he's fantastic in one of the episodes. White Bear, incidentally, among my favourites. Um, so they so yeah anyway black mirror is good i've been doing binging through that getting that out the way hmm. instead of playing video games and then looking at the black mirror video game on playstation 4 and realizing that it was a cynical ploy because it was an old game that has nothing to do with black mirror and is just called the yep. black mirror and it's an old point and click yep. and then i'm like oh Oh, you fucking dicks. I, b I wonder how many they got with that old fucking Asylum DVD ploy. <laughs> uh, I've weirdly been watching, like, more telly than playing games recently. Like, I have I have two shows that I would recommend quite highly right now. Um, mm -hmm. One of them is a show called The Good Place. I don't know if either of you have watched that. I've, um... My friend Flannel is big into that many-sided dice on Twitter. He's getting a little profile for himself. I'm proud of my boy. Um, he's recommended it highly. Yeah, I recommend that very highly. It's a like twenty-minute episodes uh, comedy about a woman who was very, very shitty in life, and when she dies, she's accidentally sent to heaven, and she's very aware she's not meant to be there, and she's trying not to get caught out, but. Because she's not meant to be there, it's kind of screwing up heaven a bit. Uh, it is a very good comedy that is impeccably paced. And it does something very interesting between seasons one and two to really breathe some extra life into a show that, like, at the end of its first season, I was like, okay, I don't see where you can go with this. Does oh, Ted Danson's oh, head the, fall off and roll yeah. around the floor going, Ted, whoa, whoa, Ted Danson's whoa. head does fall off. You worked out the, the, the big reveal. I heard that. I heard it rolls around and, and it goes on for like, it, it, that is five minutes into the episode and the other 15 are just, whoa. I, I don't want to say too much more about it, but it it's definitely worth finishing its first season. Because the yeah. hook, the hook at the end of the first season is enough to go. Oh yeah, no, I'm definitely sticking with this. Okay, yeah, it's on my it's on my to do list. Uh, what was the other one? The other one is uh, a show called I've completely forgotten what it's called. Uh, Crazy Ex Girlfriend, which is a musical comedy about a woman who like decides to just drop her life and move across the country, chasing after some guy that she 
you know, liked when she was a teenager. The thing being, it's like, oh, that was a really stupid idea, and now I've kind of, like, ruined my life. Here's a silly musical number. Um, <laughs> it has a lot of dealing with, like, mental health issues and social issues in really responsible ways, while also being a very clever comedy. Interesting. So, I've not heard of that one, actually. Yeah, it, I think I've heard the name, but not the premise at all. I'd completely just like overlooked it for a while, and yeah, I I recommend that show very highly. Nice. Some I've, of its um, musical yeah. numbers are superb. I've fi- you been finally been watching True Detective. Ooh. Oh, I need to get on that. Actually, yeah, it's I've the not. first season, and I w- for the first three episodes, I was like, "Wow, man, this show's really good," and then it got to episode four. And the action sequence, and I was like, this is fucking mind-blowing. It okay. just completely shifted into a different gear, and I was like, whoa, that is one. I'm he- I can see why everyone watch. was going on about episode four of this show when it came out. That's some crazy, crazy good stuff. <laughs> I need a new one. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I might make that one the next one. It's... I need a new one, because I just finished up with Westworld. Yeah, Westworld is so good. That's good. The music as well in that yeah, one is... Mm. fantastic. <laughs> If you hadn't realised this week, folks, there's there's going to be like a limited amount of video game chat this week. I think, <laughs> uh, I think like we... Jim's not played anything. I've played a thing I've already played, and I think Gavin's replayed something. So like, no, it's, it's going to be my a... first time playing it actually. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I took I took most of last week off, um, resting up from resting up from you know ye oldie injury, yeah. and resting up for ye old ye newy thingy, uh, wrestling. And so I didn't really play anything. I was just sort of laid up feeling like a bit shitty. Um, so that's my excuse. Well, should we? I, I basically took a, a bit of a mini break on and off because yeah. I'm still doing podcasts and a bit of video. <laughs> but should we? Should we maybe then like while we're doing not video gaming stuff, do we want to maybe talk about your wrestling, then jump over to Gavin's game what he's played, and then maybe talk about some newsy things? Does that sound yeah, like we'll do a, that. sound like a nice windy route? Yeah, Jim. I mean, my wrestling, um, my wrestling career so far, as such, wrestling adjacent career, can best be summed up as learned not to yell "God damn at children." <laughs> Did you get in trouble, Jim? <laughs> Let's just say, um, the adage is better to ask forgiveness than permission is true. So I did. Get off. I mean, I was I was told that if anyone was ever going to drop that, especially it's a Mississippi crowd, families, children, etc. Um, the general gist is if anyone was ever going to let that slip at any particular moment, me doing it at that particular point in time was the best and perhaps only way to get away with it. And they rolled it into the show, we improv'd it out, it got turned into a threat of dismissing me and fire like, you know, firing me on the spot. And the crowd chanted, Hey, hey, goodbye, that whole thing. So it it looked all purposeful. You can almost I learned a thing. You can almost sell it because you're coming in as the villain and like you uh, coming in as a new villain, you really need to make a good impression straight away that you are someone who should be not rooted for, yeah, and yeah. I, mean, I, I, I can see of... how that that and what could be more <laughs> that we all want to root against than some evildoer who takes the Lord's name in vain. 
<laughs> See, I, maybe, I mean, I, the trouble you, is, I just can't I am, make I am that so my gimmick. I am so furious and offended with you right now, Jennifer. Yeah, the, the the combination of flamboyant man in spandex and taking the Lord's name in vain, I mm, that 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 does make for a villain in Mississippi. Yeah, well, the funny thing is, we talk about flamboyant in spandex. I'm told that the children, like, I didn't really, I couldn't see out because I didn't have my glasses. I can't see long distance. I can only basically see what's happening in and around the ring. Um... But I was told the children were trying very hard to root for Stardust. Right up and, like, even through the, the goddamn and the, the <laughs> heelish, cowardly behaviour, I'm told at least a number of the children still were rooting for me up until the moment I hit the other guy. Um, uh, cheating during the match. Like, it was the cheating that was the final. Was, was like, this... Oh, we know for definite he's a heel now. Was this when the ref was looking away and the guy's neck was over the rope and you were, like, beating him up or something? Yes. Yes. Um, basically, when Big K had the ref's attention, uh, that Big K was the guy I was representing that night because she Stardust. I don't know if you've heard about this, the breaking news. Stardust has a ruptured disc in his spine. <laughs> so he's, like, just too poorly to wrestle. So he's he gets other wrestlers to wrestle for him. I, is, I like um, this. Jim, is I like this actually this. part of the... Um... The character this story. This is part of the yeah. whole story. Oh, right, yeah. um, this this was like referenced during the show, and everyone was like making fun of him, being like, "No, he's not got a ruptured disc. He's just a chicken." Was the like... best thing <laughs> is, is on on the tape, you can hear the ring announcer saying, "You know, like I, I think not not, not the ring announcer. I think it was uh, Jay Andrews who was like, what do we think? Is does he really have a hurt?" back or is he a chicken and everyone's you know chanting chicken chicken you just hear one guy really loudly it's both (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it was really uh, um but yeah yeah um, jim's doctor in the back it's a herniated disc god damn it i mean i I might actually bring an mri scan in i don't have one but i'll print one out um (laughs) and prove it dr Um, wife but but my next my, my next appearance, which I think will, again, be at the Hideaway in Jackson next time PWE are there. Um, I've, I, well, we already know, speaking on behalf of me and the man with the face paint, uh, we got it pretty much sussed out. It should be an interesting night as well. Um, as will be several other nights. So, you know, at least my language food didn't cost me a wrestling-adjacent career already. Um Actually, got invited to learn a few moves and stuff. Um, afterwards, got got invited up to to learn some basics. Um, nice. I mean, obviously, I could never be a wrestler. Uh, not not at my age with my pizza <laughs> intake and my back. Um, but learning a learning the, the ring psychology to be a better manager is going to be really good. Uh, so I don't have to just rely on very simple cues, which is what I was relying on. Um, they kind of held my hand a little bit, but also I had no training and they threw me, they just said, look, we're going to just throw you out in the deep end and see if you can float. Um, so I, with all that said, missing a couple of cues that no one noticed because it was all improv around and saying goddamn once for someone with absolutely no training or practice doing any of that, I think I got away with it. Nice. Uh, having, having watched some footage that was floating around of it. You were clearly having a whale of a time, and you are a very natural, charismatic performer, which works very well for wrestling. Like, you wouldn't know watching this that that was your first you, time trying to like 
play a character for a wrestling crowd. Oh, thank you. you would have made yeah, a very good front man in a punk band, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Not really doing anything, just yeah. yelling and shouting. And then later on, selling out his beliefs. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, that that seems like you had a really good time, and I'm glad to hear that you're gonna be you're gonna be going with your friend with the the face paint again to wrestling soon. Yeah, yeah, there, there, there's a number of interesting stuff going on. It was a really good night as well. I continue to say that O'Shea Edwards is a name that people interested in wrestling don't want to sleep on, um, as well as uh, Ray Fury and everyone in the left-hand path, who I'm just a big fanboy for, um, Zombie Dragon, Trevor Eon, um, The Nightmare Jeremiah, uh, Eric the Ghost Silver, uh, Matthias Darkthorn. There's a lot of them. They're all very devilly, uh, but they won't say goddamn. <laughs> you won't catch them saying goddamn. They'll throw fireballs at the, into the audience, though. Uh, that was that was fucking badass. I didn't see him do that move before. Zombie Dragon gets up on the ring apron, just fires this arcing fireball that filters out just before it gets to the audience. Really good. Um, yeah, good night. Um, mm. I'm waiting for my cape. I'm supposed to have a cape. I got this great purple cape with silver lining coming, and and it's been like delayed. And the irony is, there is no silver lining to the situation. I've made that joke on Facebook and Twitter and on here. Still good, still good for thirds. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Gavin, you you've been playing mm-hmm. a game that you haven't played before. Oh, yeah, we've got we've, some we've video got game called uh, Twenty Six Minutes In. This will be unique. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am playing uh, Divinity Original Sin 2. Oh. Have you guys played this? I I played a bit. bit. I didn't play nearly as much as I kind of wish in hindsight I had. I need to go back to it at some point. Yeah. I played it with Valerian Studios at one point on a live thing. Um, And I played a bit of it when it came out, but it was just so dense. Mm. And again, it was during that period where if I'm not reviewing it, I'm not playing yeah. it because I just, I can't, I don't have the time and never got back round to it. Yeah, it's, I slept on it last year because there was just so much other stuff coming out and I'm really glad I did because um, this is the kind of game you want to play in a January when there's nothing else coming out. It's right. fucking massive. Like I, I, I was 20, oh, yeah. like 25, 26 hours in when I left the starting area, kind of, that's, that's. That was part of my issue with it. And it's not a criticism on the game so much as it's a personal conflict yeah. is I can't with a game that dense anymore. I just can't. Yeah. I want to. It's but I can't lose huge. myself to it. Yeah. And, and that, and that is the thing. If I had played this. <clears throat> when you had your Horizons and your Zeldas and your Assassin's Creeds all coming out as well, I might not have given it the time it deserves. Mm-hmm. But now that I do, it's oh, it's fantastic. And, and it's the sort of game that in my twenties I'd have loved yeah. and 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 did, you know absolutely it's, gone through. But these days, it's like I'm I'm in my thirties, which means you binge Netflix shows instead of yeah. instead of video games that are hundreds of hours long. It's, it's the kind of game that like. I, I played through all of Xenoblade 2 over, like, Christmas and New Year, and I'm like, if I had, a yeah. like, a Christmas and New Year sort of period where I had, like, a couple of weeks off, I might really sort of sink into it, but otherwise, like, I don't yeah. want to play that in a couple of hours alternating nights over several months. Yeah. 
It's um, like I'm not, but I'm sure it's fantastic. I don't what need I of it was like to convince good. anyone because I mean, it was actually um, PC Gamer gave it their game of the year for last year, and that kind of re-perked up my interest in it because isometric RPGs can be tough for me. I don't like turn-based combat, and I already played two last year. There was like um, Torment and Seven were both isometric isometric styles, so was kind of expecting mm-hmm. oh, here we go another one but jesus christ this game is it's so fucking good it's got like got some of the best most interesting funny characters i've ever seen in a video game from your companions to just ra- to some random npc you might find just standing around there larry and are good at that they're good yeah. at, at quirky like side characters and stuff exactly and and everything is quite um because i tried the first game and i found it very wordy but in this one, everything seems a lot more concise. When you pick a book up off a shelf, it's never more than a page or two long. The The dialogue is much, it's written in a much more um, economic style, if you get me. So that and, mm-hmm. and everything's voice acted, which is really nice. You don't want to read everything, but uh, the, the way they do the combat. Now, I'll say this, it's fucking hard. Like, way too hard <laughs> for me. I have, to, I, I have to drop it to easy. I recall that much. But, um... The way they let you get creative with the combat, I've never seen it in an isometric RPG before. It's oh, yeah, because like, they can let you do all sorts of things, like do things in the environment that can set up, like... Oh, it's mad, like, yeah. You can, mix, like... Like, combustible elements and stuff, right? Yeah, you can, you can like, set... Uh, put, a, put a puddle of, like, oil on the floor mm-hmm. and, like, set fire to it, then, like, blow it up further with fucking more oil things, then teleport your enemy into that fire pit... Then rain fucking lightning <laughs> down on him, and then put like rain on it so that it starts steaming everywhere. Then turn the whole thing into poison, and it's just completely <laughs> like the screen sometimes just gets mind-bogglingly full of stuff. I remember Larry and showing that off mm. uh, before the game came out, like many many years ago at E3. Yeah, um, I had an appointment with Larry and because um, they just they give me the jobs no one else wanted to do, um, so I went and did it and yeah i remember just being very impressed by that that whole thing yeah uh the way you could just be so creative with the the environment and the combat yeah it's so clever and i like even when i have been completely owned by it i've kind of just gone that so i've had to just laugh at how clever they did it like there was one moment where i accidentally set the room on fire and to stop (laughs) my entire team burning to death i i made it rain all over the room and of course the enemy then was like oh yeah you want to do that well here's some lightning for you (laughs) i was just like this this and it's just i don't know and the way the world um the way they've done the quests as well is you'll have a lot of side quests going on but they all tie into the main story and sometimes you'll have two quests that actually update together when you finish a certain action so everything is uh everything's tied together if you get me it's really well done and the- i can't imagine when i hear about narrative that interconnected yeah I, my it, my mind starts to like fray yeah. as i try and imagine the the minds that can weave that kind of stuff together because i'm sure it's shit good it's crazy like even even the dialogue trees with like really minor characters now who might be like the third chain in a side quest right and i've reloaded a couple of times to see just how many ways those conversations can go and it's just crazy how you do get different outcomes depending on what you say to people and depending on your build and 
And there's so many clever little things, like if you have an undead character, healing potions will damage them. So you have to use poison. So then you, that becomes tactical. It's like there's a group of enemies around your, your undead character, so you fling some poison over there, and not only will it heal them, but it'll kind of hurt the undeads as well. It's or hurt the enemies as well. Honestly, it's so fucking good. And and I just, I have to commend them for this. And I'm really glad I didn't play it last year because I don't think I'd have <laughs> had the time and patience for it last year. Yeah. Because it's, it's not a game you can just casually jump into. You know, it's it's really deep and complex. Mm. And I'm like, I'm 30 hours in now and I'm still, I still have to kind of look things up on the internet. How do I do this? <laughs> How do I craft this? How do I do that? You know? Uh, that's one criticism I'll give it that they're not very like with a lot of these games they're not super good at explaining to you how things work yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. but then again that that leaves a lot of room to experiment as well so yeah like so, yeah. yeah I mean some people like the freedom and some or some people I've, I've, I've wanted to explore the idea of when is freedom too much freedom to the point where you start looking stuff up yeah. for the right way when that's no freedom at all. Yeah, well, here's an example of it the wrong way. I mean, I've got runes in my inventory for the last 15 hours and I have no idea what to do with them or how to use them. So, Cue a bunch of comments. Go- just, go- this is what you do. Google is screaming to me right now every time I see those <laughs> runes. <laughs> the- but yeah, if you like those, if you like our isometric RPGs, you're going to, if you liked like Baldur's Gate and all them, you're going to have to play this because it's fucking... Jesus, I couldn't believe how good it is. It is It is on my list to, like, I enjoyed what I played, and if there's a point where I don't have any games to play for a while, I do want to come back yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, 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 and you can play as a, a rock star. That's the always... The character I picked, Losa, <laughs> she's um, basically a really famous bard. So you can go around, like... Introducing. Okay, this has changed everything. Yeah. Because I might, I might have been thinking about the original game now. Yeah. Because I don't remember that. Yeah. Oh no, you can play as a bard, or you can play as an undead scholar. You can play as um, a pirate, a dwarf pirate. Uh, right. You can play as. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You can play as an elf, and the elf um can eat body parts to read people's memories, and you can also heal. So you can like. If you, like, have body parts strewn around the battlefield, you can pick them up and heal during battle by eating the body parts. If you're the nice. elf. Yeah. And you can have them all in your party, so... But, yeah, it's it's great. Like, this character, Loza, I, you can basically go around the game and every time it's like, who are you? And, like, don't you know who I am? <laughs> <laughs> I am the famous bard, Loza. And I'm like, yeah, this is a character that appeals to me. <laughs> uh, so... On top of this, there's been a couple of bits of gaming news-related stuff this week that I want to get some some thoughts on, because I think there are a couple of interesting things this week. Um, mm-hmm. Are either of you already aware of Xbox's Game Pass as a service? Yeah. So th- this is their thing where you can pay basically a subscription fee, and they have about 100 games at a time available, and like every month they put five new ones on and take five of them off, and basically it's download and play as many of these games as you like you can buy them to have forever for like a reduced fee and if you stop mm-hmm. subscribing you don't have the games anymore so like this yeah not a bad yeah, idea not a bad idea this has been a thing for a while um they've done something very interesting with it this week that like my gut 
my gut response to it is to say that this sounds like Microsoft are in a bad position that they're doing this. So from now on, all Microsoft developed first party games will come day one to Game Pass. Which and there's the bit where we go from not a bad idea to sketchy territory. Which is interesting because, like, here's the thing: I I have an Xbox One, and for me, I only ever get it out if there's an exclusive that I want to play, and I'm probably only gonna like pick up that exclusive, play it for a couple of weeks, and move on. Probably. Well, the Xbox One is a bit tough. I mean, we we we've we've gone over it's, this. It's a nice bit of kit, but I very rarely find any desire to hook it up and use it but like pretty much here's, yeah. here's the thing like it, this doesn't really affect me because I, I get games for work generally but let's say i was still buying games i can totally see a use case where it's like okay i want to have those those microsoft exclusives that come out and i'm only likely to play them for a month or so intensely i'll spend eight quid have the new Forza game or Sea of Thieves or whatever it is for a, for a full month and then just cancel my subscription and I got a month of a, of a brand new game on release yeah. day for eight quid. Here's, just, here's my, the my, other thing, though. Microsoft need to be very careful not to cause any um, PR disasters in this gen because they are, let's face it, really losing out to Sony yeah. when it comes to exclusives and things. So I feel the best well, advice I mean, would be to tread lightly. <laughs> Here's my thing about the the people cancelling their subscriptions. Um, I'm pretty sure that I mean WWE Network does a similar thing. Mm. It's uh, ten ten bucks a month, and if you pay up the ten bucks, you can you normally get like at least two pay per views squeezed in, mm. uh, and you could cancel that off if you want. Um, a, a lot of reason, you know, a, reason, a big reason why subscription services are so common is because a very large percentage of people who start a subscription then just forget yeah. to, to, to ever cancel. Um, so I'm just thinking of all these Xbox Ones that may be in a position similar to mine where it's like, I just don't turn on very much. But these people might like really love Gears of War or something and want it day one and just forget. And then that's just an Xbox not ju- not gathering dust it might be doing that, but at the same time, it's still just gathering money. <laughs> well, I, it's just like, it's an inactive money harvesting I, I totally can see that as well. Like, the thing is, like, let's say you you get the Xbox One out once every three months to play an exclusive that would have cost you 60, 60 quid. You, you've, you've paid probably $21 in in this service to have it for three months and it's like i could have saved like 14 of those but still probably paid less than i would have done to buy the game no it's it's still the the core concept is good there are and i'm i I don't want to go into too much detail personally just because i haven't yet decided if this is monday material or Mm. not um but it's just i have mixed feelings yeah it's uh that's it it's like there's it's a good idea, but it's also Microsoft and it's, f- just fuck it's, them it's to death. It's definitely gonna be positive for some consumers, but the thing that like it this screams to me, and maybe I'm seeing this wrong, but my first gut reaction was Microsoft isn't making enough money and needs to squeeze some money out of people. And my guess, like just off the top of my head, I'm like, 
is this maybe something to do with the fact that like all of Microsoft Studios uh, exclusives are now available on PC the same day as Xbox One, and PC as a platform has a higher rate of piracy? And like, is this maybe a factor? Are they trying to claw some of that money back? Yeah, I mean, there's the Xbox One is just in a weird position. Uh, like you say, their games are day and date still available on PC. And even then, they're not on Steam, so they're not on the most ubiquitous marketplace yeah. out there. Um, so even then, it's like they're facing com- they're in competition only with themselves, and that's it's not the best place to be. Yeah, um, it's, it's a weird spot for them to be in. And like, this is my query: is like maybe that does this seem like the move of a company who is. This doesn't seem like a thing that Sony would do right now because Sony's has a strong slate of exclusives that are selling well, and as such, they they well, don't yeah. need to put them up as like, hey, get them for free day and date with our subscription service. I mean that it it that I mean it's it's a very possible reason. Uh, I have no idea what how they're feeling about it right now. I mean, I know the Xbox One X sold pretty damn well. Um, mm. But whether that's going to trend, it, it, it didn't really launch with much going for it in the software department, and hasn't had much going for it in the software department. And plus, plus, it I think was a lot on of the back of a massive that... PR disaster, mm-hmm. like the whole yeah. Connect thing and the whole always yeah, online. That whole... Like that, I think that that, oh, well, that probably wrong, discouraged yeah. a lot of people from doing exclusives with them. Yeah, they 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 didn't start off on the right foot in to begin to begin with this generation, and uh, they've just been kind of middling about. And a lot of people are now taking a sort of wait and see approach. It's like, well, this game's pass is good. Let's see what they've got at E three. Uh, yeah, okay, but I would have had stuff ready for the Xbox One X that wasn't just super lucky's tale. Um, it it was just very telling to me that the Xbox One X. The media package contained mostly third-party or distinctly old games, usually games that just weren't worth playing again. Um, I I thought Quantum Break was a great game, Mm. but I don't need to play it again. Um, I couldn't get through two chapters of it. So one one (laughs) game that I have this week gone back to on Xbox One that like is definitely in a much better state than it was at launch, and I really wish it had like waited to get to this state before it had come out. Was Recore. A lot yeah. of the like weird technical, like finicky things about Recore when it launched have just been fixed and sorted now. Um like any everyone who had the game just got free a free upgrade to their definitive edition that was basically like, yeah, we added more content, but we also like, you know, fixed the game up and made it like less it just feels less janky. Which is nice. Yeah. It's a shame that it's a shame, though, knowing that they've done mo- all that work for mostly nothing. Yeah. I mean, we've got to be realistic about... Because like, I hear this all the time about, oh, well, they fixed it now. It's patched now. But oh, at geez, the end sure, of the day, was... you get one first yeah. impression. I don't know if you guys saw this, but recently there have been a couple of um, YouTube videos out about how, oh, The Divisions is really worth playing now. <laughs> I've heard that, yeah. like, very competitive. Like, it's well... like... If it can amass a, a, a groundswell of a, a player base to justify maybe getting a, a look from a lot of people, yeah. 
very few games are that lucky yeah. and most of the time it's just like I get that you want to do right by it and have this definitive edition, but came very out two few years people ago. are going like, to pick up Recore again. I've, two, two years in February, yeah. isn't it? Like, I'm glad I've gone back and given Recore a second shot, but sure. like, yeah. I totally think that like that game long-term, like, its chances of being a franchise that could get sequels was severely hurt by the fact that it launched rough and tried to fix itself down the line rather than just yeah. launching right the first time. It's different than with a game like Witcher 3, which launched as an amazing game. Yeah. And then they made so many little quality of life improvements over the next three or four months. It became just an even better game. Yeah, people were still playing it and they were giving out those little free bits of uh, DLC just to keep it relevant constantly. And they, Uh, they, It was a really good example of a real games as service model, like a proper one. Mm. But they, I mean, they also did spend time like fixing menus and inventories and just making sure, everything yeah. a lot more usable. And it was, it was worth it because people were still playing it because yeah. they were, they, they had kept people yeah. playing it. If, um, but this patch culture that is part of, you know, the wider AAA culture, it's, mm. it only helps the games yeah. at the tip at your if, top. If you, if you launch your game great and improve it from there. You keep new people coming into your great game. Mm-hmm. If you launch mediocre and then improve, uh, no one's really talking about it in the first place, and so no one's really talking about the patches that are incrementally happening, and no one notices when it gets to a good state. Yeah. Which is a real shame. Yeah, but um, the Division could scream into its own asshole, though. I don't care how much they've improved it. I made a little image today, it was for a video, but then I posted it on Twitter, just showing all of the news headlines that said Ubisoft promises there will never be microtransactions in The Division, right next to an article from PC Gamer that points out The Division's microtransaction vendor might be one of the worst examples of microtransactions ever. We we have another news story this week that's about microtransactions. Um, And Ubisoft. Oh, Ubisoft. Oh, Ubisoft. So this is a thing I've not seen happen before, but... When Ghost Recon Wildlands came out, it didn't have loot boxes, but now it does. They have added yeah, it in This isn't actually launch. the first. Couple of games have done this. Um, this this might be the longest for a loot box since launch. So, no, no, no. There have been old games that have added was, them did, in did after Payday, that. After did Payday Two do this? Them. Was that one of the games that did this for a while? For a while, um, until until the developers, uh, I think until Overkill got away from Starbreeze, if I remember correctly, it was a long time ago, and then they reversed that change and d- did away with it. Um, but what other ones have there been? I know that they weren't loot boxes, but Two Worlds 2, years and years later, added microtransactions for no fucking reason. It was incredible. <laughs> um, that was only recently, like, like a year or two ago, uh, and that game's ancient. Uh, but yeah, Ghost Recon Wildlands um, have done it, and, and they did this with The Division. They added the microtransactions quite a ways after, uh, in the hopes that no one would fucking notice after all of their bollocks about it, because Ubisoft are liars, and I'll go on record saying that. That's my oh. personal opinion. Nobody else's. Um, what else was I going to say? Uh, but EA do this sometimes. What they'll do is they'll have the whole system in place, and then 
tune in the microtransactions later. They did this with Plants vs. Zombies, uh, Garden Warfare. Um, Garden Warfare 2 was on track to become one of my games of the year. Then they flipped that switch and, and fucking turned it into a microtransaction fiesta. So, again, screaming to its own asshole. Uh, and, yes, as you were saying, Ghost Recon Wildlands added them in because why not? But and they're just cosmetic for those of you who, you know, still uh, subscribe to that. F fair enough. Uh, but what I liked was just how nervously the whole announcement was written. Uh, because Ubisoft does not want to be the next DA. Uh, they started off the paragraph just saying, like, you know, in the 11 or 10 months since we launched, we've given you this, we've updated with this, we've offered this, we put this mode in, almost as if to say, like, look how generous we've been before we tell you about the loot boxes. Don't get angry. We are very philanthropic. Uh, it was just so couched in protective wording and stressing how how cosmetic this was and how little this affects gameplay um and i loved that uh, because it was just so crawling and bumlicky and that's what i want to see not them just being able to shrug it off with it's oh player choice player freedom now they're having to apologize up front and that might not be you know, what I would like to see, which is just loot boxes fucked off, or just, you know, if you make a free-to-play economy, make a free-to-play game. That's what I want to see. I'm not unreasonable. Uh, but in lieu of that, having to watch these fuckers, like, squirm and crawl and scrape to justify their greedy little grasping, I'll take that for now. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, uh, I went no, on you one made, of my monologues. No, you're fine. It was points, perfect suddenly, timing. Like, I don't have anything my... to add to that. That's very well put. <laughs> it was perfect timing. My my internet's going farty because I don't know if you guys saw, but we're having yet another friggin' massive storm over here. Yeah. Oh, bloody hell. So the internet's a bit dodge. Yeah, it's... Fair days, fair um, days. So, yeah, I, I don't feel like there's anything I can add to that. I think you summed that up really, really well. Um... Other things, there was one bit of news that happened like very shortly after we recorded last week, which was like Nintendo doing mm -hmm. doing what they always do, which is making announcements on Thursday so that we have to wait a week before we can talk about them. They do it on purpose yeah. so that we're we're the last of the party. Uh, so yeah, Nintendo Labo. <laughs> uh, yeah, Nintendo Labo. Basically, this is like some. Yes, Smithers, Labo is this, coming. This is. Some games for the Switch that come with some cardboard and string and rubber bands and reflective shiny tape. And you build contraptions out of cardboard that then interact with your Switch. Yeah, you make stupid little fucking cardboard toys, right? <laughs> and you put the Switch in their stupid little fucking cardboard pockets. And I'll tell you what... I ain't got a problem with that. That's pretty yeah. wild and stupid. And for children. And I don't get being angry at it. It looks pretty, I, like, As an cute. adult, I'm kind of fascinated by these. Because, like, even... like I, I like building uh, Gundam model kits where you basically just sit and click a bunch of pieces together and then you have a thing. And it's like, it doesn't do anything, but it looks nice. Sure, these are made of cardboard, but I kind of, as an adult that likes, like, building model kits i kind of love this idea of i can put together this sort of like multi-part cardboard thing and then 
kind of marvel at how like oh this the switch interacts with mm-hmm. it like this and it's doing these things and that's how it works plus it's kind of fascinating plus kids are going to smash them up and need replacements <laughs> yeah. so nintendo is just stacking that paper yeah that's that and is that a cardboard. fair observation um I'm I tell you, I'm curious enough that I might get I don't want any of their big extravagant ones. That's... But the little piano's cute. Like I might get one of the, like the little those little ones they yeah. had looked so, interesting. Like the ones that were like little Yeah, the toys. one that's like a pack of like five little toys together. Um so yeah, like having heard how some of them work, they're kind of like legitimately interesting uses of the tech. So like, do you know how that piano works? Uh, illuminate. Uh, so, you know how one of the Joy-Cons on the Switch has an IR mm. camera on the bottom of it? Mm. So, you put that in the back of this piano, and the keys of this piano you create, via string and elastic bands or whatever, will basically move... Instead of in a real piano where you move uh, hammers that hit string, this moves yeah. like a piece of reflective tape, and the IR camera <laughs> is, can see... Because obviously, like, this is a set set of dimensions cardboard box it knows exactly yeah it knows yeah, what, yeah, the, yeah. what the positions are from, it knows yeah. exactly which like key each bit of reflective tape is and depending on the speed that like the harder you hit the key the faster this piece of reflective tape will move meaning that like you can do soft presses or hard presses or held presses and but the switch it, will Laura, recognize it here's what concerns me in 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 everything with this i mean um, how easy is, is it going to be to break this stuff? Uh, probably quite. So here's very, here's... <laughs> and and we'll probably smash your switch. Because it up seems well. aimed at kids, but for something that price, it seems incredibly easy to, to. Like if I'm playing a piano and I'm getting really into it, I can't imagine that little cardboard thing surviving. Something that. tells <laughs> me there are going to be supplementary replacement packs yeah. that are sold. So, like, that yeah. don't really work on but, their own, yeah. but work function as replacements. Basically, the price you're paying is a full price game for this mini game collection and a set of cardboard, like, cardboard sets, and you'll probably, for a tenner, be able to get a replacement set of all the cardboard sets or something. Failing yeah. that, like something tells yeah. me they'll have to come up with some replacements. Think, like honestly, I think failing thing. that even, give it like a day or two after this has come out, and you will be able to find the patterns online to just print out, glue to some cardboard, mm. and make your own replacement sets. That's actually like, a fair I, point. I totally like, think that's you don't even need to three D yeah, print. I think this. that's totally going to happen. Is because the primary material is cardboard. If someone breaks their kit, like you can Google and you'll probably find. Okay, if I this is analog piracy. This is this is old school I think piracy. If you paid for the piece of software it runs with, <laughs> I don't think Nintendo's going to care too much that you pirated the layouts for the cardboard box. That's I don't that's know. what they say about ROMs <laughs> and emulators no, as well. I but think, we that doesn't yeah. stop them, the cheeky like, little goblins. I think Nintendo cares about a lot of things. We, okay, we think they might that's, not care. That's about. fair, but like. The thing that, like, I'm interested in as an adult from this is, like, I'm curious to see what, like, the hacker space do with this, where they're, like, like the maker spaces, where it's, like, here's your 3D printing layout, so you can have, like, plastic equivalents of these, or here are... I, I'm just curious to see what people will do once this is I, out eventually there. Eventually they will turn. They'll turn the Labo... They'll make a Labo Tory, where 
all of these people in hackerspaces like become addicted <laughs> to making things like more and more extravagant labos. And eventually they make a gun and shoot each other. Black mirrored. Uh, <laughs> like... Whoa, looks like black mirrors come to life. <laughs> oh! Sometimes I think we're oh. the black mirror. Whoa. Yeah, like I, I kind of am fascinated by some of the ways they've made use of this tech. Like it's very Nintendo. Like one of the things they have is an uh, is oh, like a yeah. cardboard RC car that you put your two Joy Cons into the side of, and it uses the <laughs> HD rumble to to make it move and turn. I'm like, that's, that's... kind of fascinating. <laughs> It's so fucking it's, stupid. It's like, don't get me wrong, when I say stupid, I'm not trying to be derogatory no, and dismissive. I kind of love no it. No company its but Nintendo and, would do that, and I love them for yeah, it. Like, I don't know if it's the most Nintendo thing I've ever seen, but it's up there. In terms of the positive ones, if yeah. we separate what I call Nintendo moves, which are just sh- shitty Nintendo things, and, and just separate them into like just things Nintendo do that are at least promising. Um, yeah, this is as Nintendo yeah. as it gets, <laughs> barring maybe one or two other things they've done the, over the, the years. The one that was most legitimately interesting to me in how it works is, like, the the robot suit they have, the sort of, like, big mech one. Um, oh, that giant yeah. one. I don't even want to put that so together. The way that works, apparently, is it's motion tracking five parts of you at once. It's tracking two hands, two feet, and one head, like, head tracking but with only two motion trackers. And again, the way it does that is one Joy-Con on the headset for motion tracking, the other one's using the IR camera, your hands and legs are operating pulleys that inside this backpack thing are once again moving reflective tape in set positions that the Joy-Con can read and knows which limb you're I tell you the problem... I tell you the problem with that, though, is every movement you're making is creating feedback, which has been fed through to uh, a data storage unit in Shigeru Miyamoto's house. And he's collecting, like, movement patterns on everyone to make their Miis move more realistically than them. Oh no, are them. they stealing eventually, work from us? <laughs> well, eventually, it's the Miis that get citizenship because they're more lifelike than the humans <laughs> who are just thrown away, discarded, essentially deleted like software, black mirrored. Black mirrored. <laughs> Uh, Labo is Black Mirror if, if you want like a legit Black Mirror thing that's happened while we've recorded this um, uh, National Geographic have just reported that the first um, the first primates ever have been cloned, some capuchin monkeys oh no sorry, macaques uh, but some monkeys were cloned and this is the first time primates have ever been cloned, oh science and technology, they're doing things Black Mirror hmm. oh, God Eventually the monkeys will clone us, then it'll yeah, be, then Black, it'll be Black, Mirror. Black Mirror. It'll turn out it'll turn out those monkeys were full of technology this whole time. Uh, um uh. before we go, I played some more of a game this week. Uh it's one that I've already talked about a bit, but um I accidentally managed to delete my Blossom Tales save because I am a fool. I am a fool that managed Oh my god, you had to do that Simon mini game uh, yes, again. And I maintain you're wrong. Uh, you you were going on about how you had to do I so many one. things to get through it. The there's like six or fucking seven. Uh, the four four is the highest you have to do. I must have skipped the uh, first one because it was not fucking. Four. I found I only found one other of these Simon games so far in the whole of Blossom Tales, and it is an optional one to open a treasure chest in a cave somewhere. 
Uh, other than that, that might have been the one, but it went on for fucking the, ages. The only other one I have seen, like the one that is, here is the one that you need to get into this big dungeon. At most... No, I wasn't even talking about that. I said I found one. And just knowing that even if it was optional shit in there, just knowing it was the there, f- locked behind an utterly, utterly insipid puzzle the, made me not play it again. The one you found... Was it like you went into a cave and you got one puzzle and yeah. then one of the children was like, no, 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 that was too easy. It was this puzzle. And then you had the Simon one. I don't remember like that. that now. No, no, I remember. I just remember a Simon puzzle that went on. For okay. Fucking so ever. my argument with you last week was basically because I thought you were on about the one that was like core progression outside what was obviously a dungeon. No, that, no, that no, one this I one maintained was very like, I, there was a clear like treasure as a prize like locked up and and it took so fucking long and I wanted to just like hold the switch at either end and put my fucking well, foot through I'm it. I'm still And then I'll tell you what would have happened then is I'd have woken up with a boot print on my face because the switch recorded the stamping <laughs> and then imprinted it on me using mocap technology black mirror. <laughs> so having had to basically replay that game from the start to get back to where I was um I've currently replayed through the first two dungeons and I'm sort of nearly at the third dungeon again and I'm I'm again really enjoying it. Like for anyone that's not really aware of it, it's basically a link to the past clone, but like it's more difficult. Like it where 2D top-down Zeldas haven't really posed much of a challenge in a while. This one's like, no no no, we're gonna assume that you've played these games before and just which is going to challenge you from the start. And I've been really enjoying that. Like the combat pacing has been really good. The, uh, the second dungeons boss fight I thought was spectacular. It was sort of part bullet hell shooter, part traditional Zelda boss fight. That was like, it just never let up. It felt like, it felt like something like a dark souls fight in the sense that, it is a boss that's sort of unrelentingly keeping the pressure on you, and the whole point is, how can you avoid getting hit and just sneak these hits in where you can? I'm I'm still really mm-hmm. enjoying that it. Sounds like a harder version of the ones in Link to the Past. Yeah, it's it's kind of like It's kind of like a Link to the Past if it like didn't let the pressure up at any point. And like for someone who's played a lot of Zeldas, I really appreciate that. So I'm I'm still really enjoying Blossom Tales. Like, even... Normally, if I accidentally deleted my save on a game, I'd go, oh, you know what? I just don't feel like playing it now. And with Blossom Tales, I was yeah. like, you know what? I'm totally up for powering through that again. That's high praise. Yeah. That, that's, that's a mark of a... Of an enjoyable experience. I'm sure it's a good game. You I'm just don't like that fucking sure Simon puzzle you found in a cave. I just... I will never forgive. I will never forgive it. Here's a, here's a question. Yeah. What were, and I've got one to start us off, some moments that almost made you quit really good games? Mm. And I'll start us off with the fucking meteor shooting in Dead Space. Oh, yeah, that's, that is a good oh. example. <laughs> oh, yeah, that one's tough. To- <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I'll say this, I, I normally give a game 10 minutes to not bore the absolute piss out of me. If it's, and, and uh, 
a full 30 minutes to just not be like completely fucking bad, bad, bad. Mm -hmm. That's how I used to approach games when I was younger. And that's how I used to approach games when I first played Killer7. And I gave it more than what I would normally give a game uh, when I was a lot younger and a lot more impatient and annoyed with things um, than I am now, if you can believe it. I gave that game more of a chance because I desperately wanted to like something that promising and it paid off. Um, and these days I, uh, I try and give games a lot longer than that. And then multiple tries, you know, the, like the first Mass Effect, I've tried that just, three times. Just as long times, as it's not Blossom Tales. I will Tales. never get what's so good about that. <laughs> but Blossom Tales, I will never forgive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laura, have you, have you, can you think of any off your head? Like, like amazing games, but moments that almost, like stuff now, like do you remember the Hades level in the first God of War where you oh. had to oh. climb on the spinning fucking columns? Oh, Gav, you're killing me and with it, these ones. If it clipped Kratos' shoelace, you'd go falling all the way down to the bottom again. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how I made it through that. It was so like, bad. As angry as I get at stuff. Yeah. Um, actually, one that, in a similar way to Blossom Tales, in that it was not, it was not progression based, but it was just so fucking. I'd lost it. Um, but I didn't stop. Um, I'd already put like 24 hours into it. I got to 198 dodges of the lightning to get um, uh, Surface's weapon in Final Fantasy X. Um, Magic Lulu? Lu. It's a name that really doesn't match how gothy she looks. Mm, yeah. Um, but but anyway, I'd gotten to 998 and then my brother's chasing my sister up the stairs and she screams and puts me off and I get zapped. <laughs> and oh, 200 you needed to get, 198. Uh, I didn't do it again. So, didn't wow. bother again. The, the only example that's coming to mind for me right now is I maintain that the opening of the first Mass Effect game is not good. Um, I bought the original Mass Effect and it wasn't until maybe my third or fourth attempt playing that starting section that I got as far as the uh, the Citadel and becoming a Spectre and everything. Its opening mm-hmm. level just did not sell what made that game interesting. It just felt like a very bland space shooter that had slightly confusing level design in its first its first area, and felt very sort of just follow the objectives. Not nothing's really happening and I got a bit lost Mm. trying to find my way through that opening level and just twice I picked up Mass Effect and didn't get that far and put it down and started again and put it down again and I almost didn't get into my favourite series because with that game I remember playing it um, for the first time and just being immediately hooked not so much on the gameplay but just on the universe and the conversations and things. It's funny how it's different for people, isn't it? Yeah, like some things sometimes those things just happen for for people and it is what it is, but yeah. Uh, is that a good place for us to wrap up for this week? Yeah. Uh I am happy enough to do that. Um, Laura, how can people find out more about the work that you do on the internet and all of the stuff that me you do? Me and things on the internet, what I do, uh, you can find me on the internet at Laura K. Buzz, most places that have usernames, Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Laura K. Buzz on YouTube. Uh, you can also find me on uh, at kotaku.co.uk, Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. 
You can find me on Dice Funk, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Uh, I'm on seasons three and four of that. Season three, I play a tiefling bard. Season four, I play a Yu-Gi-Oh wizard, which is a fun thing to do. Uh, other than that, you can find me on Queer and Pleasant Strangers, which first episode went over really well with people, so we've kept it going. Episode two is up on SoundCloud and YouTube, so go check go check Laura K Buzz on Twitter. There'll be links. And that's that's that. It literally makes it so they're not aliens, though, anymore. It's a fucking misnomer. But Gavin, you do music, so if you could tell us all how we can listen to the miracle of sound. You can find my stuff on YouTube under Miracle of Sound, and the latest of which is inspired by Near Automata. And uh, it's oh, been nice. getting a very, very, very good response, this one, which is nice because going up, to be compared against that soundtrack, that is a daunting, daunting task. <laughs> mm. But uh, there has not been one single not as good as the soundtrack comment, which really <laughs> shocked me. And y- Yoko Taro himself said it was a very good song. So Very nice. Yeah, I'm pretty pleased with it. So if you're one of my weebs, go listen to that one. Because so you will like it. Uh, I actually missed that one. Mm. I... I somehow missed that one because I'd have listened to that in a heartbeat. So I know what I'm doing the moment we are done here. There you go. Uh, but sorry, you were continuing to yeah. self-promote. Miracle of Sound on YouTube, Miracle of Sound on Twitter, on Facebook, and of course Patreon where you can support me and help me pay my bills. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, as for me, I mean, well, you know all the usual details, but if you are interested in Stardust's debut, uh, they did a live Facebook feed. Uh, I wasn't holding the camera. All right. Otherwise, I would have held it horizontally. Um, don't people criticising me for that? As if I was there. I mean, they did counter with, well, you're not Stardust, so touche. But um, anyway, uh, you could check out on Facebook. There's a video of, of the Stardust event. Um, there's also footage of the whole event, uh, the path less taken, going up on various YouTube channels. Uh, and the Pro Wrestling Ego YouTube channel will have the whole event. Uh, as well as, I'm sure, isolated matches, which will involve the match that Stardust was involved with. Uh, and do stick around for the main event of Third Path Less Taken as well, just just because I think it might interest you. Um, I won't say anything else. Uh, but yeah, and also just support your local indie wrestlers if you like wrestling, because they do put on some amazing stuff, and they do that on top of, you know, another job often. Uh, and then they spend their weekends bashing each other for money. Uh, and they want to make that their paycheck, and that's what I'm trying to help happen um, with what I'm doing is sort of basically right now pro bono trying to help people as a as a manager's job is. So, you know, that's all good. So that's Pro Wrestling Ego. Check out their stuff if you're interested in seeing my endeavours there. Uh, and that's it. Thank you for listening, as always. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, we will speak to you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Black Mirror. <laughs> <laughs>